principle of purifying, purifying, or the principle of refining. Two different words, purifying, refining. Malachi, of course, makes some charges against Israel. We know they've been living in disobedience to God. And uh, the book is not just a long-winded accusation. It's actually an appeal to reconciliation. And I want you to understand that, church. God wants to reconcile himself to all of us. Everything he does from Genesis to Revelation, everything he does in our life, even if he convicts us, even if he corrects us, even if he redirects us, he's doing it because he wants to reconcile us with himself. Malachi is a written record of God reaching out, calling his people back, saying, be more obedient, be more holy so that you can be more blessed. And chapter three begins with what sounds at first almost like a threat, uh, but in reality, it's a promise. And I want you to keep that in mind. It's God making this effort of restoration. So let's look at those uh, first four verses of Malachi chapter three. He says, I will send my messenger who will prepare the way before me. Now let's stop for a minute. Who is that messenger? Well, most scholars would say it actually refers to two messengers. And I've taught over the years, scripture often has double value, which means that it can mean something in the context that it's written culturally, but also be prophetic and mean something to us in the future. Double value. So most scholars would say this messenger was, first of all, John the Baptist, who was the very next messenger, but also it was prophetic to Jesus Christ himself. Because Jesus Christ is the messenger that paved the way to salvation. We were lost. We were hopeless. We needed a way to be reconciled with God. And it's Jesus Christ and his sacrifice and his defeat of death itself that paves the way for salvation. So Malachi is saying that God, through his prophets, through the Messiah Jesus, will make us ready to receive the blessing that he wants to bestow upon us. I will send the messenger who will prepare the way before me. Then suddenly, the Bible says, the Lord you are seeking will come to his temple. The messenger of the covenant whom you desire will come, says the Lord Almighty. But who can endure the day of his coming? Who can stand when he appears? For he will be like a refiner's fire or a launderer's soap. You guys probably didn't know Tide was referred to in the Bible, did you? Launderer's soap. Verse 3 says, he will sit as a refiner 
and purifier of silver. He will purify the Levites. He'll refine them like gold and silver. And then the Lord will have men who will bring offerings in righteousness. And the offerings of Judah and Jerusalem will be acceptable to the Lord as in days gone by, as in former years. We want to learn today that God wants nothing but the best for us. And because he wants nothing but the best, he refines us. Think about my opening story. The CEO wanted nothing but the best for the organization. So he immediately cut out 80% of what they were doing. Sometimes God cuts things out of our life. He always knows what he's doing because he wants nothing but the best for us. Now, first of all, it's obvious he wants to wash out every stain of sin. Malachi says that God will be like launderer soap. Man, if you've ever done laundry, you know what happens. When you need to get stains out of things, sometimes you have to put on some extra whether it's uh, uh, some, you know, stain stick kind of thing, or if they're white clothes, you just dump in a bunch of Clorox, right? <laughs> you dump in a bunch of Clorox, everything is going to come out white. Sometimes that's what God wants to do in our life. The refining process. He wants to dump some Clorox into our life so that we will come out. He'll wash away every stain. He'll give us that new life that we desire. Where old things are passed away and all things have become new. That's what God wants to do for all his people. He wants to get the dirt out of our life. He washes away the stain that sin leaves. Now, there's still consequences of sin, but I'm talking about the spiritual stain. Man, everything we've done in the past, in our life that's been ugly, that's been unclean, he has a way of washing away. 1 John 1, 9, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sin and then cleanse us. Have you ever noticed that? It's not just forgiveness. If we will confess our sins during the week, when we mess up and we gossip, when we mess up, to, we yield to that temptation. Whatever it is, when we sin, if we stop and ask Jesus to forgive us, he will not only forgive us of our sins, but the Bible says he cleanses us. He's got that Clorox ready. Now, we're in this boat together, friends. All of us have sinned. All of us have done things that we did, shouldn't have done, we, where we regret, things that we can't take back, things that we can't fix in our own. We all share that guilt. But God's promise that he'll forgive us and he'll cleanse us if we'll simply come to him. Now, I want you to understand he's not just covering something up. Sometimes, you know, you kind of cover things up and you think, well, I just won't talk about it. I'll look the other way. I'll pretend it's not there. That's not what this is talking about at all. Now, I'm old enough, and I know some of you are too, to remember when you used to write business letters using a typewriter instead of a computer. And what was your best friend? 
liquid paper, right? White out. Remember the bottles of white out? I still have something similar to white out in my desk. And by when you make a mistake, you get out the bottle of white out, you cover it up a little bit, you blow on it, you know, give it a chance to dry. Man, it's hardly noticeable unless you pick up the paper and hold it to the light. And then it looks like you've covered something up. That's not what God does with our sin. He doesn't cover them up. He takes the stain away. He removes the presence of sin. Hallelujah. That's why Jesus came into this world. So that we could not only be free from the penalty of sin, but we could be free from the power of sin. As we speak the name of Jesus, addictions have to be broken. Illness has to leave as we speak the name of Jesus. Now, Malachi calls it launderer soap. It's the same thing, really, that David talks about in that famous psalm, Psalm 51. He is so remorseful over the sins that he has committed. And he has his heart after God, and so he knows what he needs to do. And in Psalm 51, he cries out to God. And he says, cleanse me, Lord, with hyssop, and I'll be clean. Wash me, and I'll be whiter than snow. David knew, and I hope you know today, that every stain of your past sin can be cleansed, can be washed away. If you're still carrying some of the spiritual stain from your sin, all you need to do is ask Jesus to come into your heart. Say, Lord, will you come into my heart? Will you, will you cleanse my sin? Will you give me a new heart? Will you fill me with your spirit? I want to follow you so that I can experience the abundant blessings that God has for me. And he'll do that. You'll be born again. You'll be saved. And we're here to help you, whether that's to give you a Bible or pray with you or get you involved in a small group. But it's so important for us. If we want to have God's blessings, we need to be willing to say, God, don't just cover this stuff up, but cleanse me. Wash away every ugly thing. Don't just, you know, paint over my faults and my failures. Eradicate them. In order to be totally aligned with God, church, and receive his blessings, we have to have all the stains of sin and all their lingering presence bleached out of our life. The second point here that I think Malachi is making is that he wants to take everything out of our life that is not gold. That's why he talks about refining. Look at verses 2 and 3 again. He says, Who can endure the day of his coming? Who can stand when he appears? For he will be like a refiner's fire or launderer's soap. He will sit as a refiner and purifier of silver. Now, we need to stop for a minute and talk about what that means. In the process of refining metals, it's put under heat. And the raw metal comes up to a, 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 a point of temperature that it begins to melt. Silver melts, gold melts, whatever it is at that temperature. 
And after it's melted and it's in this state of heat, everything that's not pure metal, pure silver, pure gold, rises to the top. But it won't happen unless it's melted, unless it's put under the refiner's fire. Otherwise, it's all, you know, part of that solid piece of metal. But as it's refined, as it's heated, everything that is foreign will rise to the top so that it can be skimmed off. And what remains is pure gold, pure silver. And what I've learned in my life is there are things in my life that aren't necessarily sin. They're not necessarily even bad for me. They're just not gold. It's like the CEO that sold off 80% of the company. Various departments, they weren't bad. They weren't even losing money. They just weren't without value. They didn't fit into the company's overall objectives. So when we say, Lord, we surrender our life to you, we want to be more like you. We're offering the Holy Spirit the opportunity to begin to refine us. And he might take some things out of our life that aren't sin or aren't bad, but they're not pure. They're not in alignment with us glorifying God in all that we do, in all that we say. One of my early mentors years ago said something that has really stayed with me through the years. He said, the biggest enemy of the best is not the bad. It's the good. Now think about that for a minute. The biggest enemy of the best is not the bad, it's the good. And if you're careful, if you're not careful, if you're not careful, you'll spend all your time doing what's good and it'll rob you of what's doing what's best. See, it's the same principle of the refining fire. Every one of us needs to decide for ourselves. <laughs> what is God's best for me? What are the most important things to me to devote my time and energy to? Every church, every marriage, every ministry needs to ask ourselves that question. The refining process. We could do a lot of stuff as a church, but we have to ask ourselves, is it the best thing we can do to accomplish our mission, to inspire lifelong relationships with Jesus? Is what we're doing loving God or loving people? Is it mending people? Is it training people? Is it releasing and sending people? If it doesn't fit within the parameters, it could be good. But it's not for us. And the same thing is true in your life. And it takes that refining fire of the Holy Spirit to help you to identify those things that will rise to the top. A while back, a friend of mine told me that he and his wife had sold their second car. And they came to that decision when they realized that with their busy schedule, there was always one car in the garage. The second car was never used. 
And all of a sudden, they realized with very little inconvenience by selling that car, they could free up thousands of dollars a year, you know, in insurance payments and maintenance and all that. And they could take that money and they could use it for something that they felt God was calling them to do. Let me give you another example because, as you notice, the weather's warmed up a little bit, the wind came, and most of our snow's gone. So I know some of you are thinking golf about now, right? Yeah, you're ready to get back out there. And there's nothing wrong with golf. But let me just say this if you spend more time on the golf course than you do with your kids, maybe you need to reevaluate that. Nothing wrong with golf, but if you spend more time with your golf buddies than you do your spouse. Nothing wrong with Facebook, but if you spend more time with friends on Facebook (laughs) and you're there all day long and your work never gets done and your house never gets clean and you don't even say hello to the neighbors that God has put right there, Maybe, maybe that's a bad tooth that needs to be pulled. You know what I'm saying? In some ways, COVID has given us as a church a wonderful time to reevaluate. And we've done that. You might notice that we haven't brought back all the programs that we did before COVID. We brought back some, but every program we brought back Pastor Darth and Pastor Allen and myself have prayed. We've sought the Lord. We said, is this really something that we need to bring back? Now, if it's going to fit into where you're taking us in the future to fulfill our mission, then we want to bring it back. But let's just let the rest go. Because maybe, even though they might have been good activities, maybe it's kind of like that stuff that floats to the top. Maybe it's not pure gold. So friends, the work of the Holy Spirit in your life, according to Malachi, is like a refiner's fire. He can separate everything that's not gold. And that's a good thing, isn't it? Thank you, Virgil. Man, I appreciate you. The third thing I want to talk about this morning is that God wants to see his reflection in you. When God looks down, what does he see? See, when gold and silver were refined, they were put under the fire to melt. As I just explained, so everything not gold would rise to the top. And then after those non-essential materials were skimmed away, the, the worker could look down at the metal's smooth surface. And he knew the metal was pure. And he could say, this is pure gold because it's captured my reflection. Pure gold is like a mirror almost. Reminds me of James says, see, this word is like a mirror to us. That's why James says we need to read it, but when you read it, sometimes you see the dirt on your face, right? You think, ooh, man, that's, I need to work on that. And you have one of two choices. You can close the book and ignore it and just be a hearer of the word. Or you can be a doer of the word. 
You can say, Lord, thank you for showing me this area that I need to work on, that the Holy Spirit will help me so that I'll be so pure that you'll be able to see your reflection in my life. And that's what God wants to do for all of us. He doesn't just want to wash away the stain of our sin. He wants to fill us with his beauty, his presence, with his precious Holy Spirit. He wants us to be a reflection of his likeness in the community, in our homes, in our church. We know God is love. Therefore, we should be reflecting his love. We know God is merciful. Therefore, we should be reflecting his mercy. Sometimes my biases and my own feelings get in the way of reflecting God's mercy. And I beg you struggle with the same thing. God's holy. He wants me to reflect his holiness. We know God's compassionate. He wants us to reflect his compassion. God's just. He wants us to reflect his justice. Paul Paul summarizes it this way in Ephesians chapter 5. He says, be imitators. Be imitators of God. Therefore, as dearly loved children, and live a life of love. Just as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us as a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. Be imitators of God. (laughs) We used to sing a chorus when I was just a little kid. It said, let the beauty of Jesus be seen in me. I've been singing that all week as I prepare for this sermon. Let the beauty of Jesus be seen in me. I want to end with one more illustration It's not been proven, but I guess it's kind of a a folktale, or maybe it's true, I don't know. But the Michelangelo was asked about his ability to, you know, carve these wonderful sculptures that we know of. And David, of course, the sculpture of David is a magnificent work of art. And it, it was said... Again, not verified, but Michelangelo said this. Every block of stone has a statue inside, and it's simply my task to discover it. Now think about that for a moment. So if you want to make a sculpture of a horse, what do you do? You just get a big rock, right? Then you get a hammer and you get a chisel, and you chip away everything that doesn't look like a horse. See, we all can be sculptors now. That's all you have to do. And when God looks at Jerry and when he looks at you, he sees this block of marble. (laughs) And I need to trust him with his hammer and his chisel. I need to trust him with the heat (laughs) of the refiner's fire. Sometimes he needs to chip away everything that doesn't look like him. I want to look like Jesus. I'm not the judge if I look like Jesus. (laughs) You're really not the judge. Now I know we can know people by their fruit. 
But ultimately, at the end of the day, it's about God's approval of us. He knows what he's doing. I just want to urge all of us to let the Holy Spirit in the next few weeks deal with us, mold us, shape us, put us under the refiner's fire, take out the chisel and start maybe doing a little refining until we are that perfect reflection of Jesus. Let the beauty of Jesus be seen in us. In order for us to be ready for the harvest of God's abundance, we have to do whatever he wants to do in our life. As the worship team comes back, I just again encourage you in these final moments, if there's something that needs to be scrubbed out of your life, whether it's with Clorox or whether it's with the refiner's fire or whether it's with uh, the chisel and the hammer, you can take whatever illustration I've given you, but if there's things that need to be removed from your life, will you let him do it? Will you trust him? If you need to refine your priorities, if you need to get rid of some of that 80% of the stuff, would you be willing to do that so that you'll be even more productive? He prunes those he 